So hello and welcome back to the Programmer Hour episode number 6. If you have used VS Code in your life, you probably have heard about our today's guest, James Q. Quick. And if you don't know about him, James Q. Quick is a programmer advocate. He is an amazing YouTuber with a whopping following of more than 100,000 subscribers. And he's an amazing web developer. So just to give you a gist about today's podcast episode, we talked a lot about content creation, how to become a programmer advocate, what the job entails, and how to become an amazing web developer and what path to follow. Also, we talked about Jamstack, which is an amazing thing, an amazing topic that you should definitely learn about. And most importantly, we talked about how to stay motivated and on track to achieve your goals and even surpass your goals. So what the hell are we waiting for? Let's get into it. So hello, James, and welcome to our podcast. Uh, thank you so much for accepting our invitation and for coming to the podcast. And uh, we first discovered you on YouTube uh, when we saw your video that you uh, created describing your goals for 2021. So back then, I remember that you had around 30,000 subscribers. And now it's been just like six, seven months and you have a close to 100,000 subscribers. So yes. first of all, kudos to you on this stupendous uh, achievement. Uh, yeah, congratulations so, on that. And that was actually one of his goals, if you remember, uh, he wanted uh, uh, 100,000 by the end of this year. And we think you will like surpass that by a lot. Yeah, uh, by a huge margin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yes, yeah, welcome. And, oh, yeah, um, and yes, you are a developer, a speaker, a teacher, a YouTuber, you have your courses. Do you also have a full-time job right now or this is your <laughs> full-time thing? Oh yeah, yeah. I do. Okay. Um, I work as, I was a developer advocate at Auth0 until recently. So I got promoted to developer media manager. So I work with our developer media content. So our YouTube wow. uh, channel and uh, we've been doing some Twitter spaces and we've actually talked about doing a podcast. We haven't started that. So that's one of the things we might do in the future. Uh, but I've been Amazing. doing that for, for a couple of months. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, so we already know you. And uh, but in case, and I'm sure that all of our viewers, we we, ha we don't have a big following, but I'm, and I'm sure all of our viewers already know you. But in case they don't, uh, please uh, introduce yourself for anyone who's watching this video. Sure. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned like developer, speaker and teacher. I've been doing some combination of those things professionally mm -hmm. for eight or nine years now. Um, and I've started to adopt a new tagline of I teach developers through content. So like all the content that I create comes from a place of uh, just enjoying to teach people. So I've like I've more formally taught in classrooms and I've done boot camps and that sort of stuff. Uh, but now I do it more through the content that I create. So I do uh, YouTube videos. I'm on TikTok now, which has been a lot of fun. Oh, you're on TikTok. Oh, that, mm -hmm. that's great. That's great. We have been thinking since a long time to go on TikTok, but we just we, don't know what to we do. We actually yeah. are on TikTok. Yeah, we we do have a TikTok profile, but it's like empty. So yeah. we need to work. Yeah. I think we need to dance and code. That's <laughs> I haven't I haven't done any dancing, but it's been <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. I've done like kind of developer humor type stuff. Um so yeah, it's been it's been a fun, like creative outlet for me. And that's mm -hmm. one of the things I've talked about. Uh, for a long time is wanting to have more like personality in my videos and the content yeah. that I create. So TikTok's a perfect place to be a little little further out there and hopefully yeah. hopefully funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I saw your video on YouTube uh, on I think on Twitter, not on YouTube, where you were uh, sh where it was uh, like 50 seconds or one minute video how you interview and versus the reality mm -hmm. when you go on yeah. the first day of <laughs> that, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've cross posted um I think all of them so far, the ones from TikTok mm -hmm. to post them on Twitter, because I've got 
um, more people on Twitter that follow me. So I posted there yeah. for people to see as well. Uh, do you have you tried Instagram Reels? I, they have they are really pushing it uh, to compete with TikTok, and now YouTube is also there with YouTube mm-hmm. Shorts. YouTube yeah. Shorts, yeah. Um, I've got. <laughs> Uh, a pretty sad story about Instagram. I like randomly woke up one day and had been banned. I have no idea why. I didn't do anything bad. Oh, uh, and so I, I don't have an Instagram account anymore. And I haven't I haven't wanted to start over. And so I've just kind of left it. So I'm not on Instagram uh, okay. at all. So that's, that's one of the reasons I've spent more time on TikTok, actually. <laughs> that's super weird. Did they give you yeah. a reason for banning you? Or like I was... No. And I went through oh, okay. like... Um, I went through the appeal process and never, never found anything. So I don't ah, know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and did you have a huge following uh, on Instagram when that happened or, or not? No, not that I, I don't, I don't even remember what I had, but it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't that much, but I was starting to like, I was starting to use it more effectively. Like mm-hmm. I was starting to do it more consistently and, mm-hmm. um, and didn't really get a point or <laughs> didn't really get the, the opportunity to see if that was going to help me grow there or not. Yeah. That's really unfortunate. Just imagine someone working hard on Instagram or any social media platform, and maybe they have like mm-hmm. a following of 40, 50,000 people yeah, after working and hard for years. You and you just, and, yeah, all your efforts goes away. So maybe, maybe you could contest it or. Um, yeah, I've sent in. I've sent in like multiple, multiple <laughs> of those, and then also reach out or got connected with someone who works at Facebook who was looking into it for me, and found okay. nothing, unfortunately. So I don't okay. know. <laughs> Well, okay. But at least you have other platforms where you're mm-hmm. growing. Yes, yes. Uh, we yeah. usually see you going, I guess, uh, live on Twitter spaces. Mm-hmm. I would say once a day, but maybe less, maybe more. But I- I've seen you and Francesco. Francesco, yeah. Uh, yeah. You, uh, you uh, both of your notifications are okay. always popping up on my Twitter feed. So <laughs> yes. I-, I know definitely you are very active on that. Uh, yeah. Do you have a favorite social media platform by any chance or you like them all? Yeah. Um, so Twitter would, would probably be number one. I mean, like it's, it's so big for mm-hmm. the tech community and that's where like, I, I almost never use stack overflow. Like a lot of times if I have a question for something, I'll post it on Twitter because I'm connected to people who were like knowledgeable in those areas. Uh, so I get better responses there than posting on a forum somewhere or something like that. Uh, so Twitter is definitely huge, but I, I have been like one watching a lot of TikTok probably more than I should. <laughs> and then, uh, but really enjoying like creating the content there too. So I would say those are like from a, just a social, like purely social media. Those are the two that I enjoy most. I don't know if you look at like, I don't really think of YouTube as social media. It's a, it's a different thing for me, but yeah, I spent a lot of time mm. on Twitter and TikTok. Yeah. Um, we need to follow your TikTok for sure. I think it will be funny. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. All right. So since you've tried so many different career options, so I think you're the right person to ask this question to. So uh, what career path do you think is uh, the kind of like the best for a web developer so like we have different options we have like your 95 job that's the most common but then we have freelancing and then we also have like uh, maybe you could freelance on either fiverr or upwork or maybe like start your own uh, company try to start your own startup where you like probably go to like i don't know your local technicians and ask them to ask uh, them to create like a website or something for them you could do that and um yeah so or or also you've also tried like you also are a youtuber so you've tried tried um, creating free and paid content so uh, yeah there's so, so yeah, many options is- and and the last one uh just creating your own company and becoming 
uh, and like if it explodes on Play Store, if you have an application or anything. Yeah, maybe like develop an application or a product that you can uh, sell yeah. for millions. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> what do you think? Like, is the it's the is the best um, option? Yeah, I mean the the short answer there's there's no best right. Like it depends on. Mm -hmm. Depends on the person. It depends on um, your interests and and a bunch yeah. of different things. A lot of mm -hmm. a lot of that comes from like financial stability too. Uh, like you think about freelancing and and potentially doing that full time or doing content creation full time. It's mm -hmm. a it's a tough thing to do. Um, it's like more accessible than it's ever been. Like there's more opportunities to do that than there ever has yeah. been in the past. But it's still a really hard thing to do. So there's there's mm -hmm. something to be said for. Like working, um, working for a company, knowing you have a salary, knowing you have a paycheck coming, I think that is incredibly valuable. I think that like that has certainly allowed me to spend my time outside of my jobs doing mm -hmm. the things that I really enjoy, which have also led to opportunities for me yeah. and extra income. So like doing YouTube videos and earning money on YouTube ads or doing sponsored content, talks about courses. Um, I could see a day like one of my goals would potentially be to do content full time. And I, I think I could do that right now if I wanted to, but I love the company that I'm at. I love my team. I love what I'm doing at all zero mm -hmm. and I make good money doing it. So like having the stability, but also the free time to work on uh, the extra stuff that I enjoy, I feel like is, is the perfect balance for me uh, right now. Um, yeah. And then there's also like, even if you're working for a company, like types of companies can, uh, can be drastically different. Like you could work for, yeah a younger startup, which is a mm -hmm. going to be a much more modern culture. You may be in a situation where you're uh, working more hours, like depending on what that setup is there, but you have mm -hmm. that potential higher return of like, if they get sold, if they get acquired, um, you yeah. have stock options, that sort of stuff. And then you could go the opposite and work for a company that's been around for a long time. You're really um, confident in their stability of, of continuing to get that paychecks or mm -hmm. get those paychecks. So I think that's something to think about as well as like if you go to work yeah. for a company, what type of company do you want to work for? That's, mm -hmm. that's one of the things that I encourage people to ask a lot about is like, what is culture like at um, at a given company? Because I think it makes such a big difference. If you're that's not true. happy like in the environment that you're in, if, if the people around you don't really get you excited, you're probably missing out. So I always encourage people to like, one, ask about that stuff up front, but also like, don't be afraid to reevaluate where you are and make sure like, if you're not excited to go to work every day, I know it, I, you can't just leave necessarily, but you can start working towards going somewhere else or finding a different yeah. job or a different career path. So I always sure. say, like pay attention, you know, yeah. to how you feel and then uh, make adjustments based on that. Yeah, there's definitely something to be said about uh, the constant paycheck that you get. I, I, I 100 percent, uh, we would agree with that. Uh, but would you still recommend young developers? Because this is one of the questions we get asked a lot on our Instagram or on, on our Twitter or sometimes even on YouTube comments that sh should I do something else with my nine to five job or would that be enough? Because in, in some countries, because we, most of our viewers are from either Asia, from, from India, and uh, we have a, a small following from Brazil and all of them, they ask the same question that web developers or any kind of developer don't get well paid where they are as a nine to five job. And uh, so they are constantly exploring other areas and we ourselves are not that experienced because we have never tried freelancing or any kind of stuff to offset your income or basically just add as a second income to support yourself. Uh, would you recommend, uh, so with the nine to five job, what would you recommend as other source of income for any developer or web developer? 
Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't have a ton of uh, freelancing experience myself, like mm -hmm. actual freelancing, very little. Most of my stuff has come from like sponsored content on YouTube and working with people yeah. in that sense. Um, I will say like doing content has, has lots of different benefits. Like in your career, creating content, like to create content, you have to like one, learn stuff and then to be able yeah. to teach it to other people to communicate is like reinforcing the things that you've learned. Mm -hmm. So it's a great way to continue to build up your skills. It's a great way to get some visibility to the things you've done. And then you never know like who is going to read your blog post or see your video and have a job opening at the company they work at and know based on the content you've created that you're someone that they would like to hire. So I, I talk about the benefits of content creation a lot. That's that's what I talk about a lot. So I yeah. I think there's a lot there. I think you could um, you can go out and search for freelance opportunities. My guess mm -hmm. would be if you're in an area where uh, web developers aren't paid that well, I would imagine the freelance opportunities in that mm -hmm. area are probably similar. So I, I don't I don't know that that would be like the solution, although you could make more money. Um, yeah. I think like one thing to look at is so many more jobs are remote now that mm -hmm. you could potentially do a job for a company that is based in a different country that that pays web developers more yeah, and that's, that's uh, potentially be able to work remotely and take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's definitely a great idea. And like we totally agree having some kind of online presence um, you know, is usually a good option and a good uh, a good thing for everyone to have. Like especially now, like in twenty twenty one, not just developers but people from all different kind of fields must have, at least in my opinion and I guess uh, critical as well, they must have some kind of online presence in uh, in whatever they do. And that, that's one of the reasons we just we started our YouTube channel as well initially, right? Yeah, I mean. I I think uh, that if it depends on the kind of work you do, like if your job isn't very demanding and it doesn't take a toll on you, like mentally and physically, and if you have the time, yeah. mm -hmm. you might as well go out there and do something extra than your like, you know, your job life or like the new curriculum. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's it's it won't hurt. It's a good idea. Yeah. So, but yeah, but how, how do you manage your time, or, or do you have a work life balance, or that doesn't exist <laughs> because? Uh, no, because I'm, you said you have a full-time job. I was not expecting that, actually. I thought because you uh, create such nice content, your videos are nicely edited and everything, I, I thought you, would, you wouldn't get time. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, uh, work-life balance is like one of the most important to, things to me by far. Um, so that, that is something I'm, I'm pretty outspoken about and take very seriously for myself. So I work, work a full-time job where a lot of my job is is content related. Um, so mm -hmm. there's a lot of overlap. So the good thing is like if I learn something doing a video myself, it's going to make me better at doing video for Osiro. If I learn something while doing a video at Osiro, it's going to make me better and better at the content that I've already created mm -hmm. or will be creating on a personal note. So in that sense, like I think there's a lot of good overlap. And then the thing for me that is makes such a big difference because people ask me like, how do I create so much content a lot? The thing for me is that I never force myself to do it. It's always because it's stuff that I want to do. So like I've, I've created one video a week, most weeks for a couple of years now on YouTube and a lot of times two videos. But if I don't feel like doing it, if I'm not into it that week, you'll see weeks where I didn't. It didn't happen very often. Mm -hmm. But if I don't feel it, I don't, I don't force myself to do it. Because if you're forcing yourself to do it, you're just not going to enjoy it as much. And it's going yeah. to lead to burnout. So... In theory, I would like to write a lot more articles, but mm -hmm. I don't enjoy it like I do videos, so I just don't write yeah. that much. So I think that's the number one uh, thing for me. I have, um, like my wife leaves earlier in the morning, so she leaves at like 6.30 in the morning for work. I don't start 
like my regular job until nine o'clock in the morning. So mm-hmm. it's just like any other hobby that I would do. Um, I spend an hour or so in the morning working on my content and I actually do That's a lot good. of um, like shorter videos on YouTube. And a lot of times I'll record, edit and publish them that morning because I've well, kind of condensed it down. Yeah. Um, and that, that makes it easy. Like I get on a camera or a podcast or whatever and I, I talk all the time. So I'm really comfortable <laughs> doing that. So there's not a whole lot of preparation I need to do for a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And then I could turn it around in an hour. So it doesn't take like all that much time for a YouTube video these days, which is nice. Yeah. So, uh, so we've seen many of your videos and uh, you're talking about content creation. So, and your videos are like really good in content. They're well performing. Uh, the algorithm is very generous with your videos as well. So I want to ask you, where do you get inspiration for your content? I've talked about this a lot too. Um, some people struggle to find stuff, and I think that's because mm-hmm. they they miss they miss the fact that like everything you know is valuable to someone. It's really easy yeah. to overlook right, and, you know. and think that like, hey, I just learned this thing. Surely everyone else knows this. Like, it's really easy to think that, but the the reality mm-hmm. is no. Like, there's always someone that knows more than you, and there's always someone that knows less. So literally, yes. every mm-hmm. random idea that you have during the day, that's 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 a piece of content. Like my video that I published this morning was on the number one trait in my mind for senior developers, like what makes a senior developer. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that was something I thought about like maybe last night, just like in bed or something. And I was like, you know what, for me, it's like being able to break down problems into smaller ones and mm-hmm. communicate that to a team. Yeah. And, and again, I like, I talk all the time. So I'm really comfortable talking. So I got on camera this morning and made like five bullet points of things I wanted to, wanted to add in. And then, and then that was the video. So that's what I published this morning. Yeah. So, um, just random thoughts. I also let like technologies that I either am excited about or want to learn and want to look into. Like I use mm-hmm. it as a learning opportunity, mm-hmm. uh, and I mainly just let it be stuff that again I enjoy. Because if I if I started forcing myself to work with yeah. things that I'm not excited about, it would show. It wouldn't be as good, and it would take the fun out of it for me. Yeah, yeah, that would have I'm really glad uh, about what you said because that is something that I usually say, and I've also said that in, in one of our pre- previous podcasts with the guest that everything you know is definitely valuable to someone. Mm-hmm. And an example is driving a car, like millions or billions of people drive car every day. But when I came to Canada as a student and I wanted a license, I was watching videos on how a Canadian driving test is done. And people have done that. So yeah, people uh, usually think that they need to know a lot more, and which is great because that will motivate you to learn more. But that doesn't mean that you have to wait for one one year or two years or five years, train yourself and then start creating content or, or anything, right? Having, having your own blog, maybe uh, that is something which is, uh, I think it's pretty cool if someone has a blog and they write, like to write whatever they, they want. Uh, yeah, what, what's your opinion on it? So since you, you are a web developer and you have been a web developer in the past as well, so like how important do you think uh, is having a blog or a portfolio website is, uh, how important is that for a web developer? I think it's like first. I think it's important to say like the having having an audience, having content in general, is a nice to have. Like it's not a requirement. But True. if if people are looking to to give themselves an advantage, if you're looking to mm-hmm. take a like get a first job or take a next step in your career, and you want an advantage over someone else, that sort of stuff can can play a big part. Like when I I wanted to transition back to uh, developer advocacy when I was at FedEx, and at the time, like I had created. 100 videos on my YouTube channel. It's not near, it wasn't near as big as it is now. Like it's drastically different, but 
I had I had a hundred videos that I could show. I had fifty articles that I'd written on a platform called Scotch.io. Mm-hmm. And like when you're applying for a job where that's your job, my resume didn't even really matter. Like I could just say, here's yeah. all of my content. Go and look at this content. This because YouTube is my resume. Yeah. I mean your resume, like if you think about it, it's just it's just words. Your resume really yeah. doesn't mean much. It's just a formality to try to get someone to take a chance to interview mm-hmm. you. And that's so if true. you have these other things to like really back that up, that's the stuff that really matters. And so it was like, I, di- I didn't have anything to improve or like to prove. I didn't have to impress anyone. I just had to show like, here's the stuff I've done. And, and I want to continue to do that for you. So I think like it can, it can get you your next job. It can get you visibility to the point where people reach out to you about jobs. Mm-hmm. It could lead to freelance opportunities. It could lead to getting paid to speak somewhere, to do sponsored content. Like there's so many things mm-hmm. that come along with, yeah. with having visibility to the awesome stuff that you're doing. And yeah, and- as they say, uh, so as they say, actions speak like louder than words. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. exactly what it is. There are some companies, though, unfortunately, who do not like their employees to be on YouTube or any other social media platform or doing their own thing because they feel like it's kind of a threat to their job because they leave it. And what I say to those people is that those are the kind of companies you probably want to stay away from in the first place. Because if if a company does not respect that you want to do something on your own, which you like, I, I think that just, just if, if someone is struggling the same thing, you should probably change your job or, or start thinking about it. Yeah. That's one, that's one thing I will never sacrifice is yeah, exactly. all of my personal content and personal brand is my personal content and personal brand. And no one Definitely. will ever be able to, to control that for me. Definitely. So, uh, yeah, since I would like to go back to the previous topic, please. So, uh, since we were talking about blogs and portfolio websites, so uh, what stack do you think is uh, the best to create a blog? Yeah, stack or two. Like, there's so many things now that we yeah, can like use. You have WordPress and then you have like other technologies. You could even create a website using the basic HTML, mm-hmm. CSS, or then use, you like, can use Next.js, Jamstack. Exactly. And you can even uh, take leverage of medium.com or, uh, you know. Yeah. yeah, like Substack. Substack. There's like already uh, tools that, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah. So, w- what do you think is the most uh, reliable option? Yeah, I think um, the answer is depends, as as most answers do. But I'll I'll give you kind of a progression. Like Hashnode and Dev.2 and Medium and, and places like that are if if you're not comfortable with your development skills right now, mm-hmm. but you want to start writing, or you just don't want to take the time to build a site yourself and you want to start yeah. writing, do one of those. Like I I highly recommend, mm-hmm. even as a developer, you don't have to develop you don't have to write the code for your personal site to just to yeah. be able to create content like set yourself up on hashnode in five minutes and start creating content there so i think yeah, those hashnode are all, is pretty good yeah those are all really great options i'm particularly a fan of hashnode just like everything that they do i feel like is is really awesome we're actually doing a joint uh twitter space with them um mm-hmm. in the morning tomorrow did you um, actually make a video on hashnode a, a while ago mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So been, maybe that's how I know it because yeah. I, I know I saw a YouTube video which was about online presence. I I, I just didn't yep. remember if it was you or or some some other creator. So yeah, was, there's probably okay. there's probably a lot of uh, a lot of different ones, but I definitely I definitely have one that's talking about online presence with Hashnode. Um, so I think I think those are those are great options if you want to take like one level up. WordPress is still like an amazing tool. My my mm-hmm. blog when I started a few years ago was on WordPress. And so you get some experience with yeah. like how to host a WordPress site, how to do like 
deployments of your WordPress site, how to migrate from local instance to your to your production one. And uh, you get a great editor. Like WordPress has been around for a long time. People, a lot of people aren't as excited about it, but it's still great mm-hmm. for what it is. Yeah, and so I think sure. I think that would be great. Um, you can still learn a lot about like how to design uh, with whatever tools or, or plugins you use. You can learn about SEO and that sort of stuff. And then the next one, and this is like, I think if, if you have the time and you're looking for a, a challenge, um, a great learning experience is to build your own. And so I, sure. I started with Gatsby a couple of years ago. Uh, it's a mm. static site generator framework um, built on top of React. And it was mainly just, I heard so many people using it that I was like, I guess, I guess I'll give it a shot. And yeah. um, so I was using embedded markdown files. So you just write your content like right inside of the source code. And that was that was kind of cool, but I, I felt a little weird like having so many images and, and blog posts and things like in my source code. It felt a mm-hmm. little unnatural to me. Yeah. So I started to look for headless CMS options, thinking about like the Jamstack and that sort of stuff. And I found Sanity, and I've been using Sanity IO for uh, for my content since then. Um, I'm actually going through like a redesign with my podcast co-host Amy Dutton. Yeah. And uh, when when I do that, I will move it to Next.js and um, Insanity. Mm-hmm. And Next.js, I think, is such a great option because you can do combination of static pages as well as server side rendered pages, yeah. so you have the complete flexibility to do mm-hmm. whatever you whatever you want. And I, I would say like it's less about the technology specifically that you want to use. If you want to use like Nuxt and Vue or Angular, or, like whatever you want to use, do that. Mm-hmm. It'll still be a great learning experience just to build yeah. something that. Um, that you use and, and hopefully other people will will see every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, he- we have been hearing about Jamstack a lot now and uh, both of us have never tried Jamstack and we recently had Colby. Uh, he's also a YouTube yeah. creator uh-huh. and uh, he was one of our guests recently and we asked a lot of questions about Jamstack <laughs> to him and he did a great job explaining it but we are still not 100% sure about what it is. I guess we just need to start using it and just experimenting with it to understand more. Uh, Apart from that, uh, we have been learning Next.js recently because, uh, I mean, I, I am an Angular person and I have never mm-hmm. used React or Vue before, but I am exploring. I still like Angular more, <laughs> but uh, but I, I've been exploring React and I really like the Next.js platform because of the reasons you just mentioned. Uh, I mean, server-side rendering and it has all the slug uh, that we can mm-hmm. use for blog posts. And I think it's a, it's an amazing it's an amazing tool to have your own uh, own blog. So uh, so. I guess Hashnode, if someone wants to use a ready-made website, mm-hmm. and then your favorite would be uh, Gats, uh, not not Gatsby, uh, either Next.js or the other one. Uh, which one did you mention uh, for creating your own blog? If you want to create some stuff. Stack? No, no. Uh, oh, oh, WordPress. Um, no, not WordPress. It was, WordPress was the uh, middle Netify. one. Um, there was Nuxt, which is Nuxt.js is basically the the view equivalent to oh, okay. Next.js, and then there's view. also okay. SvelteKit, which I've gotten into recently. Yeah. So SvelteKit is built on top of Svelte, and it's more or mm-hmm. less like the Next.js of Svelte. So they those okay. three kind of Svelte, Nuxt, and Next have similar capabilities okay. of being able was, to blend hmm. server-side rendered and static pages. Yeah. I hope I hope Angular also comes out with a good one because mm-hmm. I've been trying, and, and, and there are a couple of them, but I've tried both of them, and they're, they're not really you know as smooth as Next.js. Yeah. Uh, I hope they come out as well, yeah. otherwise I'll have to move to React. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, it's Scully is the, I think it's yeah, Scully, more exactly, specifically yeah. a static site generator. I don't mm-hmm. think it has like the server side rendered 
capabilities yeah. that Next and Nux than Svelte exactly. have. <laughs> I have used Kali, uh, and I also saw their YouTube video. In their own video, they ran into errors, which they were not able to uh, oh, wow. fix yeah. in the, uh, by the end. And oh, yeah. Even I tried it, and it was the same thing for me. Maybe it's already better now. I, I should give it a try. But if anyone watching this video knows uh, a good framework for Angular for generating uh, static content or blog posts, just let us know in the comments down below. Is it too new, Scully? Scully, it's not really new. It has been around for more than a year, I guess now. But uh, I think it was released. The final version was released uh, this year. Uh, but okay. I have to check. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Uh, so, uh, do, do you have any experience with any kind of uh, e-commerce website? Because that is one of the other questions that we receive a lot. That I want to start an e-commerce website. What should I use? Which stack? Yeah. Which stack should I use? Because again, there are so many options there. You can create shop. You can create a website with Shopify or mm -hmm. anything like that. But you can also do everything from scratch. So, uh, do you, would you have any recommendations for for that? Yeah, I honestly probably not. Um, this is this is an area that I don't have a lot of experience in. I know mm -hmm. I'm assuming like Colby was a great person to talk about this sort of stuff because he's made mm -hmm. lots of content yeah. on uh, e-commerce. I will say like I've been experimenting uh, recently with a Stripe integration, so Stripe and Next.js yeah. and All Zero and Superbase and Prisma, like just all the technologies that I've wanted to try. I'm kind of putting mm -hmm. them together to try them out, and and that's been pretty cool. Um, I would say like Stripe is super, super popular. And I think you probably find lots of tutorials and content on how to set that up and integrate with. So I think that's a great yeah. option. Mm -hmm. Shopify, I think, um, I think is more of like, they kind of build the site for you or maybe they, yeah. maybe there's like a headless experience with Shopify. Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure to be honest, but I know Shopify, especially for freelancers is huge. Um, yeah. So I, I hear about Shopify all the time. And there's other things. I know there's there's like multiple services, but one one that I've heard a lot about is Snipcart, which I think is like um, kind of your checkout system and and e-commerce stuff, but specifically like in the Jamstack. So I think that's one that that people have talked about and been enjoying as well. But this is actually like one of the things that I want to learn more about because I, I really don't have yeah. um, much experience at all in the e-commerce world. Same here. Same here. We have to. Uh, it's in our plan. Mm -hmm. One day, one day yeah. we'll, we'll learn more about that. Yeah, yeah say uh, in general, like um, since we're talking about frameworks and like on the other hand, doing everything on yourself, like from scratch. So say in general, what do you prefer? Like using frameworks over like doing everything, uh, like everything on your own or like, uh, yeah, using framework. Basically, these are the two options. What would yeah. you prefer? Uh, if you're talking like front end frameworks, like, I actually do a decent amount of demos on my YouTube channel with vanilla JavaScript, like just mm -hmm. HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. Yeah. And those are fun. Like I, I feel like they're kind of a, a good exercise to go through, especially as you're learning. But I, I really don't think I would ever build a real app and not use a framework because yeah. they, they usually come pre-configured with a build system and they've got Webpack mm -hmm. or whatever like configured in it. And there's so many benefits to that that like I don't I would never actually build something with just vanilla JavaScript. Like I would use yeah. one of the frameworks that we've that we talked about in the past. And I think like going back to the idea of the, the Jamstack, like one, the definition of Jamstack outside of the acronym itself, like varies. Like everybody has a, a slightly different version of what they think the Jamstack is. And that's kind of it's kind of the because of the fact that it's not super specific, like JavaScript APIs and markup doesn't really tell you a whole lot. So it's kind of open to interpretation. But what I will say about the Jamstack for me is like it's taking existing things that we've done and just using them in a slightly different way and combining them in a different way. 
And the more what you're seeing is the different services of things you might need to do. So authentication, there's all zero. There's image and image optimization, optimization yeah. and transformations like Cloudinary um, and payments like Stripe or Snipcart, like all these different mm-hmm. like specific things. There's lots of services that do that thing. So a lot of the Jamstack now is like not writing all that stuff yourself, but just integrating them into an application so that you can mm-hmm. spend your time focusing on like what is the application that you're trying to build versus like the the features that you just have to have. Like authentication is not the thing that's going to make your app successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Your image optimization is not the thing that's going to make your thing successful. Like it's the app itself. Those are just things mm-hmm. that have to be there for it to be uh, for it to be successful, they're not going to be the driving force or the main yeah. reasons why it's successful. Yeah. yeah, so you should should basically focus on the core logic or the business logic for your application mm-hmm. instead exactly. of like reinventing the wheel. Altogether. Yeah, because it, it doesn't even make sense to, I guess, especially now to, uh, you know, start re- reinventing the wheel because I think it will take more time in handling those nuances rather than making your own uh, your own product would take less time. Then building all these things around your product from yeah. uh, deployment and everything. Yeah, because uh, there's like two arguments. So I've heard people saying that they're creatures of like not reinventing the wheel. But like I've also heard like uh, if your basics are not clear regarding something and you run into a problem while using a framework or something. For example, mm. if we talk about CSS, now we have Tailwind CSS and Bootstrap, mm. like another frameworks as well. So that you can use. But like if you run into a problem while using these frameworks and your core concept for CSS are not that good because you've like not really used them. So the time it takes for you to understand what's wrong and debug the problem is like equivalent, kind of like more or less. But, to like yeah, using I, the actual thing, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that too. Like I, I mentioned earlier, like I think building websites with just HTML, CSS, and JavaScript is a great exercise. It's not something mm-hmm. I would do like for a real thing at this point in my yeah. career, but it is something I would highly encourage people to do. And I've, I've made that mistake. Like I, I wanted to use Bootstrap before I really understood CSS and I had no mm-hmm. idea how to fix the, the issues that I, yeah, I was having yeah. or I had no idea how to customize it in the way that yeah. I wanted to because I didn't have that solid foundation. So I think like as as you're learning web development, HTML, CSS, and JavaScript has to be something that you just like iterate on and use that to build 15 very small, relatively simple apps just to get in the habit of really understanding what's there. And and the cool mm-hmm. thing is like if you do that, by the time you start to use a framework, you have a better understanding of why this framework is here like you have a better understanding of how it benefits you the things that it's taking away that you don't have to do now which then gives a better understanding of how to debug it or fix it if things if things go wrong definitely and like if you're starting any framework like react angular css framework or or even a backend framework i think all the youtube creators who do teach you these frameworks they're assuming that you already have a fundamental knowledge of html css and javascript if you don't I would totally agree with you that you should practice a little vanilla stuff first and then move into a framework because otherwise you'll just be lost in the end. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that's not yeah. a good good path to take. <laughs> yeah, there's some, I mean, it, it's worked out for some people, right? Like one of the mm. things that people are really conscious about in the tech community is not not telling them too much of like, this is exactly how you should learn. So mm-hmm. this is this is our experience. Like it sounds like we agree. This is our experience. It doesn't mean that someone um, couldn't jump into React before really learning JavaScript. Um, you yep. certainly could. I just, my thought is that it's going to be more difficult that way. Definitely. Definitely. 
it's like you don't know how to make a table and you went to build a house yes you'll be able to make a house but uh, you know yeah it, it it's really more complicated more complicated it might have a lot of flaws and uh, yeah it i wouldn't live in that house <laughs> I've, i've learned that the hard way i've taken up like some woodworking projects in the last year like starting from no experience at all and uh <laughs> it's been it's been a fun it's been a fun and frustrating <laughs> learning experience i mean it feels like learning web development from scratch right like you <laughs> you try so hard and you you write a bunch of bad code i cut a bunch of bad wood and then eventually <laughs> like you end up learning enough to build something i actually you can't see it at this angle but i remodeled the closet um in my office oh, wow. and put in okay. like custom shelves and stuff which i'm really proud of but it took like so many hours of work and also so many hours of me being frustrated and like not <laughs> wanting to do it because I was frustrated, which is exactly like learning anything. Exactly. So yeah. people, people that are learning web development, like if you're frustrated and it seems hard, that's because yeah. it is. And that's because it's normal. Like that's what all of us go through. Definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah. So just like, um, I just want to understand what's the deal with data structures and algorithms. So like we talk yeah. about, uh, we talk about like some fundamentals the stuff you learn in school mm -hmm. and the stuff that is required for cracking any i think job interview as well for most of the companies so even when you interview for like a position of a web developer or a full stack developer or whatever like a software engineer they ask you questions related to like uh, maybe they give you a problem to solve an algorithm problem or like ask you questions related to data structure and stuff tree but you graphs, know yeah tree tree graph and like those mm -hmm. kind of thing array strings but you kind of like never end up using those stuff in your actual job when you work as a web developer because mm -hmm. like you mostly use front and back and frameworks a little bit of deployment and stuff like that so um yeah what are your thoughts about uh, on that yeah it's it's definitely mixed um so i i've been through like i've gone through the google interview process twice where i flew to new york city and did like six hours worth of interviews and they're all wow. like whiteboarding and they want you to not only solve the problem, but solve them like in the most efficient way. And it's really yes, intense. Exactly. It's actually like, they're really good at, at doing that because they, they mm -hmm. talk, they talk through it with you and they're actually really good at it, but it is a tough thing to do. Yeah. I think like there's a lot of pushback on those types of interviews. Cause it doesn't like in the real world, like if you give me a complicated problem, sure, I'll think about it, but then I'll go Google what I need to, to figure it out. Or I'll mm -hmm. use built-in functions. Like if they ask you to write a, a sorting algorithm, there's built-in sort into every language that's already optimized. So I don't I don't really need like if you asked me to write a sort algorithm from scratch other than bubble sort, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to do it. Mm. But I don't care because I don't need to. Like I'm I yeah. just don't need to do that. So I think like there's part of the perspective of those interviews in a lot of cases don't make sense. I think they're really reserved for like the Fang type companies, Facebook, mm -hmm. I don't even know, Google, Netflix, Amazon. And Amazon. Yeah. Um, I think they're kind of reserved for for really those top tiers because at, at a certain point you you have to have some way to try to differentiate with yeah. people because you have tons of really good candidates. Yeah. Um, but I do think like I think that's one of the things that I benefited from, which I, I don't feel like I learned a ton from my college degree. But data structures and algorithms is definitely a, a set of contexts that I have that a lot mm -hmm. of people who go through boot camps, for example, don't. But at the same time, people that have gone through boot camps have way more practical knowledge. Than I had. I had never used Git or GitHub. I had never deployed a website. I had never mm -hmm. used a host. I had never done a date like use a database. I'd never done a lot of those things. Yeah. So they're very different, sure. right? But I I think it's I think it's helpful for people that don't have a background in data structures and algorithms 
to seek out a background in data structures and algorithms. Because if you get in one of those uh, types of interviews where they're asking you to solve a problem, it can, it can obviously help you do that. And then you just have a little bit better understanding of like the science behind the computer. That's why it's called computer yeah. science and how, how things work and how to make them work in the most optimal fashion. So yeah. I encourage for the bootcamp students that I've taught them to go out and, and take on additional resources and do those mm -hmm. practice problems. And like, there's a, there's a course by Colt Steele, who's one of my favorite instructors on Udemy, uh, mm -hmm. doing data structures and algorithms with JavaScript. It's a perfect progression of like, you've learned yeah. JavaScript. Now you can take it to the next level of learning some of the science behind, mm -hmm. uh, behind the computer and take that into your interviews and then the solutions and things that you come up with in the future. Yeah. That, that, you, uh, you really said it well, uh, that, that it's a science behind and that's why it's called computer science. And, uh, I, I totally agree. The people who go to boot camps, uh, regardless of the fact they have a degree or not, uh, there's so many practical things that they know, and which is great. And even we, we came to Canada for our masters, but in our bachelors or in our masters, we never really had to set up a backend, a front end and connect them with a database. And we just never had to do that. And we took a course, I think by Andre Negoe and uh, Maximilian. Uh, Maximilian Ma Schroes Miller. Yeah, yeah. We, we are destroying their names. It's a German name. It's uh, it's complicated for us to pronounce, but we'll add, add links to them in the description below. We are not sponsored or anything, but they were really great courses. Yeah. And, you know, they helped us learn so many things that we finally understood that, wow, this is great. But mm -hmm. on the other hand, if you are just out of bootcamp and you have to write a small piece of logic in which there will be a lot of data and you want to retrieve that data very often. Now you do need some data structure skills. You do need some algorithm skills. You do need to know that using an array for a long list of data where you have to find everything is not the best idea. Maybe you should use a hash map or any kind of uh, indexing data structure. So having, I guess, a mixture of both is the is the best case scenario. But uh, I, I know why people are frustrated learning data structure algorithm because I recently switched jobs like two months ago. And for two years, I was working for the same company, never looked at trees, graphs, PFS, BFS, etc. I had to give interviews. So for one month, brought out brought out my green book, cracking the coding interview, solved some questions, went to online websites, hacker and hacker all those stuff. Yeah. But now I won't touch them again until <laughs> I have to find a new job. So it's a uh, yeah, I think in my opinion, um, the thing is, each of them have their own specific purpose, so like schools, they're there to give you like a more uh, broader view of computer science. And mm -hmm. they want to tell you like, they will expose you to different domains in yeah. computer science that you can like pursue after your graduation and bootcamp really has a very specialized program. It's a very specialized program. So it's like, a, I don't know, like it could be specialized for ML or AI or maybe for even like web development. Mm -hmm. So it condenses like all those things into six months, like a six month or a yeah. month program. So like each of them, they serve a very uh, like specialized purpose. Yeah, yeah. Totally agree. Uh, I have one question for you, which uh, I, I didn't plan, but you said about dev being a developer advocate and creating videos for the company you work for. Uh, you said something like that. I, I don't. Uh, I don't really remember the exact statement. But that that is kind of my dream. Like if I could create content as a full time job, and then I could create content for myself. That that's so awesome. So how did you get into that career, and how can someone or me being selfish here can progress towards that? Because I, I just think that's that's really awesome. Yeah, uh, I mean, 
you're already doing it, right? Like you're creating content. So the mm-hmm. advice for people who haven't started creating content is to start creating content. Yeah. We live in a world that it's never been this easy to get started. Not saying it is easy. It's just easier mm-hmm. than it's ever been. Uh, most people are, are nervous about being on camera, for example, or they're nervous about writing a blog post a post yeah. for like thinking they're going to be judged or, or critiqued or things like that. And the biggest piece of advice is to just, just move past that. Like that's one of the things that I am able to do in my career is like, even though emotionally I might be scared or intimidated, I can force myself to do something that I, that I yeah. know is going to be beneficial for me. So mm-hmm. it's, it's just about uh, one, getting started and then two, cr- continuing to do it and keeping that consistency. So again, when I went to apply for my job, go look at my YouTube channel with a hundred videos, go look at my blog post that I've written, which is mm-hmm. 50 of them. And that's really going to speak for itself. So as you build up that portfolio for yourself and, and get a little bit more visibility, so the content that you, that you create, it's going to carry more and more weight. And so if your, if your goal was to get into DevRel into a developer advocate position, continue to create content, uh, take on like speaking engagements, like apply to speak at uh, a local meetup or a local mm-hmm. conference, or now in a COVID world, like a virtual meetup or conference, yeah. just start doing that stuff and continue to do it. And those are the types of activities that, um, that lead to the type of role that I'm in. And I have a great job that I love. And then I also get to go home or I stay home. I work remotely, but I, <laughs> outside of the regular hours, get to do additional things that I enjoy on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to go down that career path is creating content, keeping consistent with it and, uh, and using that as your resume going forward. That, that's pretty awesome. So uh, do you get to keep the content that you create for your company as a developer advocate under your, your name or is it company's property and they host it somewhere else? It's only for internal employees. Like how, how does that work? I, I'm just very curious about this. Uh, I, I don't yeah. know much about this field. Yeah. Um, so most of like the content that I create specifically for all zero is public content that's under their brand and on their channel. So I would create videos for our mm-hmm. Osiro channel or blog posts uh, for the Osiro blog. That doesn't mean that I can't like do a YouTube video or a blog post on my personal channel that is relevant to right. Osiro. I could do that also. Uh, but the majority of the stuff that I do on Osiro itself is is for Osiro um, and Osiro channels. But I have, if that's you look good. at like my my videos, I've got like one or two. Um, that use all zero as part of part of the demo that I'm building. Okay, that's great. Also, uh, for these kinds of jobs, like for developer advocate and stuff, so how does it work? Do you need to approach to the companies and say, like, you know, I've been creating content since this is this many years, and this is my profile, and would you like to interview me or stuff like that, or do they approach you? It's just like just like any other role. Um, I mean, okay. these these jobs get posted on. LinkedIn and Glassdoor and on their company website. Mm-hmm. So you can Very check the companies that you're interested in and in working at and seeing if they have open positions. Um, okay. Another thing that I didn't mention earlier is like, just reach out to people that do the job that you want to do, regardless of, yeah. regardless of if it's a developer advocate or, or anything else, like mm-hmm. go and, and ask people who are in those positions about their background, what they did, what advice they have, what they do now. Um, I think that's a really underrated aspect of, that's the concept advice. of networking is just mm-hmm. just reach out to the people that are doing the thing that you want to and and ask about their journey and any advice that they have to get to yeah. how they got to be where they are that's a great advice and we also tell our viewers or or even our friends who are struggling to find a job or you know are just starting that go to meetups mm-hmm. i think meetups are the best place to go when i was a student i was pretty broke and <laughs> 
meetups were great because you meet free great pizza. people and you get free yeah. pizza. Like, <laughs> free girl and free pizza. What, what else do you want? You have free dinner and you get to network. And yeah. if it's a good presentation, you get to learn something new. And I even got my first paid part-time job in Canada in our web dev field by a, in a meetup because there was a person who was looking for an experienced developer for a part-time job and I'm still connected to him and he saw me in one meetup I had no experience when I came to Canada so he gave we exchange uh, he, he gave me his business card but didn't really offer me an interview because I didn't have any industry experience but then he started seeing me in multiple meetups because he's he's an enthusiast and he was like okay, you are here again, here you are again. And one day he said, are you coming to the meetup again? I said, yes. He said, okay, uh, just stay after the interview, uh, after the meetup for a half an hour. I want to take your interview. And if you're still interested, uh, we would like to move forward with you. And yeah. that was that was just great. That point of my life, I was working in a factory, doing just enough to pay my rent and pay my bills because being an international student in, uh, in Canada or America can be very expensive, especially you have to pay the international fee and everything. And just going to meetups can really help you a lot. And I think networking uh, definitely helps 100%. Yeah, and uh, plus uh, today I heard in one of the podcasts I was listening to that networking is not, uh, it's not like just like going to a meetup and handing out resumes or like mm -hmm. if you're a business owner, yeah. handing out uh, business cards at a meetup or at any events. It's like a lifestyle. So you got to network wherever you go. You got to like live it. So, you know, no matter... I mean, you, you never know where you find your prospective employer or maybe like an employee. Mm -hmm. So you, you got to really, um, yeah, network everywhere, like wherever you go and yeah. have it like a list. For sure. So for sure. it's, yeah, it was just worth mentioning. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, so let's move on to our final section. Yes. Uh, so we like to call it the coders quattro. <laughs> It's a funny <laughs> So yeah, and uh, so these are the four questions that are the same and we ask them to all of our guests and we're excited to hear your responses. So okay. the first question would be, what framework slash technology slash language do you think a new developer should learn? Uh, I mean, JavaScript is, is definitely the, the area that, that I'm in. I think like JavaScript, Python, um, and a few others are definitely great places to start. I definitely prefer JavaScript over something like Java or C Sharp. That's where I started. Mm -hmm. There's a, it's a lot easier to just start writing code um, with Java and Python and a, and a few other examples. So that's definitely where I would start. And then um, as people, like we said, get some of those fundamentals, HTML, CSS, JavaScript, then you can move into a framework. It doesn't really matter. React, Vue, Angular, either all mm -hmm. of them are great. Um, and then what I encourage people to do also is like, regardless of whether or not you want to specifically be a front end developer or a back end developer or full stack, I encourage people to, to learn full stack, like take yeah. your JavaScript and go and learn node so that you have the understanding of how applications work front end to back end. And yeah. even if you never write back end code at your job, having the understanding of how it works is going to help, help you work with other people. So that's usually my like progression of start with JavaScript. HTML, CSS, learn a framework like React, Angular, Vue, Svelte, and then uh, tie in the back end uh, with Node uh, to, to kind of bring it all together. Definitely. And JavaScript is our most famous answer for this question mm -hmm. yes. for so many reasons. Like you mentioned, you can do front end, you can do back end, you can, now you can even create native mobile applications mm -hmm. using JavaScript, and then you can even create desktop applications with some frameworks. I mean, you can literally do almost anything at this point. 
I just think for data science, for AI, ML, Python, Python is great. Yeah. But otherwise, JavaScript can be yeah, used for I, almost anything. I was just reading the other day. I think now you can also use JavaScript for deep learning uh, using oh, really? a framework called... Okay. Uh, I don't exactly remember what it's called, but like... Uh, I think, yeah, you could do uh, JavaScript, uh, deep learning with JavaScript. Okay. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, the next question is, when you want to learn something new, what do you prefer? Watching videos or reading the documentation? Um, I prefer videos. So, that like that's part of why I create videos, because that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of the way that I learn best. Like, I love... I love well, one. I watch videos at two times speed, so I can I can watch videos and listen yeah. to podcasts and save some time because I don't have to listen for the whole amount of time it should take because I listen to it mm -hmm. faster. Um, and then I can you can pause and like rewind really easily in video, so I I prefer that. Um, I would say like second to that is blog posts. So I um, I read a lot of blog articles as well. You get the benefit yep. again of like you can scroll back up, you can scroll back down. They've got code snippets there usually. Um, documentation is, is really kind of a, a last resort. Like if I can't find exactly what I need, then I'll go into the documentation to find the details, uh, mm -hmm. for it. But, but yeah, I yeah. love, I love tutorials on, uh, YouTube videos. I've done a lot of Udemy courses. I've done courses from other content creators as well. And then, uh, read a lot of blog posts too. Yep. Yeah. I, I have pretty much the same, uh, same philosophy. I, I love watching videos rather than going through documentation and especially some libraries might not have great documentations. Mm -hmm. So I just watch a video, get my basics clear and then read the documentation if I need something very particular to uh, in a framework or any language to work with. All right, correct. But before moving on to the next question, I just remembered the name of the framework was Tensor, TensorFlow.js. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. TensorFlow.js. So yeah, you could use TensorFlow.js and use JavaScript or Tethering mm. uh, as well. All right, so moving on to the next question. So do you think going to college or university is important in the field of computer science? I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's the kind of thing that's required at all. I think for me and like coming out of, coming out of high school, like college was always what I was going to do next. And I would never mm -hmm. trade my college experience for anything. I had an amazing yeah. time um, in, in so many regards. And it was just like much more so than computer science. Like computer science was really just something I did for school, it wasn't something I necessarily loved and appreciated at the time, but just being at uh, university was was huge. It was an amazing time for me. So I would never trade that for anything. But um, again, like I look back at the things that I learned and I did get the fundamentals of like data structures and algorithms, but I also like I never, never built a real application. I never worked with a database. I never worked with Git and GitHub and I'd yeah. never done so many things. Mm -hmm. That people that self-teach and go through boot camps uh, learn because they're really they're trying to get yeah. you ready to like immediately go and get a job. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, being getting a getting a computer science degree is by no means necessary. It certainly can be useful if it fits into your the where you are in your career and life and how old you are and the time you have and the money that you have. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's so many different options there. Um, whether it's going through a in-person boot camp, going through a virtual boot camp. There's tons of different ways that money is structured with boot camps. You can find one that works for you. And and if you're like literally just getting started and want to know if you're even interested in it, there's way too many free resources to pay any money yeah. up front. Like just go watch That's a few true. YouTube videos to get started yeah. and then decide it's something that you want to invest more in. Definitely. And if if you don't like YouTube videos and and you know like a 
proper course structured. I mean, Udemy is just great. Mm -hmm. I, I've seen uh, you have a couple of courses on Udemy as well, and we will link uh, them in the description below for if anyone wants to learn from you. But you know, for a price of lunch, you can literally mm -hmm. learn everything that there is about a framework, a language, technology, anything it is. Like I personally did an, a course on Angular and Kritika did a course on uh, full stack development. Full stack and I never had to learn Angular more than that. It was a great course, a 30 hour course, but I have been using Angular for two years and I never had to learn anything outside of that. Obviously when you use a specific library, you just read more about that. But in terms of Angular concepts, never. And even just doing that course gave me knowledge of so many in-depth uh, stuff that people who are working with Angular since last three, four years didn't know. And I had to tell them that, you know, this is better. You should do it this way. With just a $14 course on Udemy, it's just, it's just mind-blowing. Yeah, so coming out of school, like, uh, just to share my experience, coming out of school, I didn't know, like, uh, because computer science is such a vast field, I really don't know which domain I wanted to pursue, like, after my master's. So. So like, but then in masters, I was exposed to so many different domains. So now I, I knew, like I had the knowledge and I had the power to decide. Mm -hmm. So then I decided to go in web development, but then there were so many great courses out there that I could do on web development for specialization and stuff. So yeah, it really helped. Yeah. All right. Uh, so moving on to the final question, what's your favorite programming language? But I guess we I all... think we know the answer to this, <laughs> but. We have to ask. But yeah, we, we require you to validate. Is it JavaScript? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely no surprises there. Definitely yes. JavaScript. <laughs> perfect, perfect, perfect. Now, we okay. don't have a question, but we do have uh, a favor to ask for. Can you please tell the audience to hit the like button before they go <laughs> and the subscribe button? <laughs> yeah, if you enjoyed the video, make sure to like, subscribe, and check out more videos in the future. Perfect. Perfect. So, um, yeah, just to like um, tell the audience if they want to connect to you uh, directly, so where should they go? We know where you're very active on Twitter, but like, what platform uh, can they use to connect to you directly? Yeah, Twitter. Twitter is the best place, honestly. So, mm -hmm. James Q. Quick on uh, on Twitter is the best place to reach out. Perfect. So we're gonna put uh, links to all your social media platforms and everything down in the description below. So if anyone wants to check them out, they can. Definitely, definitely. And one final bonus question that's only for you is, <laughs> is Quick your real surname or is it a quick <laughs> tutorial thing that I, I make good tutorials very quick or something like that? Yeah, it, it actually, uh, it is my real last name. Uh, so it works oh, out really, wow. really well. And it makes for, for a fun brand as well. And then the other fun fact is my middle initial is actually Q. So James Q Quick, my middle name is Oh, Quentin. it's your, oh, yeah. yeah, I think that we saw your tweet. Uh, no, I no, think, no, no, no. Yeah, I when you said talk about your surname. But, yeah. <laughs> but I was not sure if you're joking or you were saying this. Yeah, but <laughs> no, it, yes, it's it's my real name. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that, that's an interesting uh, last mm -hmm. name. My, mine is just boring. So. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. All right, perfect. It was a pleasure meeting you yeah. virtually and yeah. uh, having a chat chat with you. Definitely. Thank you so much uh, for coming to the podcast. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And we, we don't expect any YouTuber who has like a, a huge following like you have to come on our podcast on our channel. We have such a small following right now. And we really appreciate that you, you know, came on our channel and had a, a chat with us. Yeah, well, I'm happy to join. Thank you for the invitation. I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a great Bye. day. Have a good evening.